With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Press.com for your chance to win. Grand. That's grand. Enter it now. Listen, and you yeah, haven't heard this yet. I love this. Rod Arquette on Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. Well, if it is true, and my sense is it's prob- it probably is, it's kind of sobering news for uh, Pac-12 fans that uh, USC and UCLA, you know, they've been sports powerhouses for a long, long time. Football, not so much. Basketball, UCLA has come back a little bit, and USC have. But for them to leave the Pac-12 and join the Big Ten, or I guess it's the Big 16 now, I'm not sure how many teams are in that conference, I mean, it, it, it's a... It, you know, it takes a little air out of our tires, doesn't it, here in the uh, uh, University of Utah football fans? I mean, the Pac-12, with the Utes in it, you know, it's been fun. It's a, it's a big boy conference. Still will be, unless there's there, there's also rumor that Oregon and Washington may follow uh, USC and UCLA to the Pac-10, if in fact that's taking place. And a matter of fact, I think it is. Um, I think, uh, you know, and apparently the Big Ten, from the little few things I've read today, just trying to compete with the SEC. Remember, the SEC is it next year, I believe, pick up Texas and Oklahoma, uh, two big football powerhouses, joining already a super conference when it comes to football and starting to emerge in basketball as well. Um, so the Big Ten saying, well, we, we've got to get bigger and better too. And that's what it's all coming down to, I think. Um, it's all about money in college football anymore. And, uh, you know, these teams, I, I'd hate to see it. It's always fun to have USC or UCLA come to Rice-Eccles and for the Utes to go down there and play. Who knows what's going to happen, but my sense is this is probably going to happen, and then the Pac-12 is going to have to figure things out. That's that's what it all about. That's that's kind of the surprising news today. How are you, everybody? Hello, Utah. Welcome to the Rod Arquette Show on this Thursday afternoon. We are at the end of June, believe it or not, getting ready to uh, head into Ju- uh, July, July 4th weekend, coming up this weekend. Uh, just a reminder, we'll be taking a break tomorrow and again on Monday, but we'll be back on Tuesday. Tomorrow we've got some great specials from the uh, Fox News people, and then, of course, on Monday, our iHeartMedia uh, talk programming with Ryan Gorman from WFLA in uh, Tampa will be filling in on Monday for us as well. So, But a great show lined up today, the Farm Bureau today, talking about worker shortage. We're going to be talking about how, how California is becoming a sanctuary state for trans kids. What's going on there? Also, a big rally taking place, uh, what is it, Saturday, up at uh, the state capitol to celebrate the overturning of Roe v. Wade and Casey. We've got a long fight to go. Uh, Biden talked about that a little bit today. We'll have more on that. We'll talk about sex trafficking in Utah. Big ruling today from the U.S. Supreme Court on the powers of the EPA. Steve Moore will join us talking about how that's going to impact business And on its 10th anniversary, the Roe v. Wade decision, Ronald Reagan, who was president at the time, 
wrote an essay about abortion and its impact on America. This was, uh, you know, uh, legal abortion had only been about 10 years old. Reagan wrote a essay on abortion in America. It's marvelous, and we'll dig into that a little bit later on in the show. So great to be with you today. Always a good time to be with you. 888-570-8010 if you want to be a part of the program, or you can dial pound 250 and say simply, hey, Rod. Uh, get ready, folks. This may be coming. This uh, There's a story today that um, the... 38% of people in the U.S. say they are extremely proud to be an American. So what, about 4 out of 10? That is the lowest trend that Gallup has ever seen since it started back in 2001 tracking this. So a record low, 38% of you out there are extremely proud to be an American. What a sad, sad commentary. I, I, I think. Um, together with the 27 who are very proud, 65% of U.S. adults express pride in America. Another 22% say they're moderately proud, Well, only 9% say only a little. Now, the record level of extreme national pride comes at a very challenging time. Of course, we're coming out of the pandemic. We have inflation. We've got a White House that doesn't know what it's doing. Uh, you've had some tragic shootings uh, in this country. You had, you know, the uh, the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade. So you've only got 38% of the American people today, 4 out of 10, say they're extremely proud to be an American. Put me in that 38%, because I am. I still think this is the greatest country on earth. Yeah, we've got some challenges. Yeah, some things in our past we may not be proud of but it's still the greatest country out there. And I wonder how you feel and why you're proud to be an American. We may get into that a little bit later on with you on the show. But let me tell you, this is a trend that you're going to start see happening all around the country. There is a a member of a California school board, a woke member of the California school board, um, who is now calling on her constituents to boycott the 4th of July. It's coming, folks. It's coming. This uh, board member, her name is uh, Anna Marie Avia Farias, I think, said there is absolutely no reason whatsoever to celebrate the 4th of July. Um, she is a third-generation Contra Costa County resident. I'm not sure where Contra Costa, California is. I want to say it's up north, but it could be down south. I'm not sure where it is. I don't know California that well. Um uh, Uh, What she did, she posted online a picture of a fading American flag, blue and white image of the American flag, along with the words, boycott the 4th of July. And she writes, I haven't celebrated the 4th of July since 2016. I think it's a holiday to, I don't think it's a holiday to celebrate. As a matter of fact, she is recommending now that people on the 4th of July this year hold a funeral and buried the Constitution and the American flag in a grave. That's what she's suggesting. Now, I hate to say it, folks, but this is an idea that's probably going to catch on around the country. Knowing the mood of the libs and the the elites in this country, they're going to do everything they can to not celebrate the 4th of July. You watch this happening. Now, um, the other thing I want to get to today, and we've got a lot. Biden said something today about the filibuster. We'll get into that here in a little bit. But uh, Disney. Disney has openly said that 
much of their future programming is going to be kind and friendly and talk about talk about the narrative of the LGBTQ and transgender community. And lo and behold, it has actually happened. Now, how many of you have ever heard of the series Baymax? It is a Disney Plus series. And the series is about a, uh, a robot, a big, big friendly robot. I think his name, he was in the movie Big Hero 6, right? Well, now there's a new series out there. I want you to listen to two sound bites. The first one I'm going to play. Now, this is part of the new series. If you and your children have Disney Plus at home, and they're watching this new series called Baymax, there is a scene in one of the shows in which the male-voiced robot is at a supermarket, okay? Big Hero 6. And he asked a very surprised female customer what menstrual products that she would suggest he use. Listen to this. Excuse me, which of these products would you recommend? Oh, um... A little surprised. These are the tampons I usually use. Thank you. I prefer pads. They're more comfortable for me. Thank you. I always get the ones with wings. Thank you. Get them scented and bleach-free if you can. Thank you. Yo, my These you. are really environmentally friendly. Can you believe that? That's on a Disney show. Are your kids watching it? If you don't know what the name of it is, it's called Baymax. And maybe you have it on Disney+. Plus. Now, it doesn't stop there. The new series also has a scene where uh, two men discuss dating each other. Listen to this. I think it would be fun if me and you went to a place or perhaps a thing together. Are you asking me on a date? Your pulse and heartbeat have quickened. No. Uh, yes. Yes. Great. Sounds fun. Your pituitary gland is secreting hormones. Okay, Baymax, thank you. That is enough of that. Hey. I, I tell you what, folks. There you go. Disney said they would do it. They were going to work into their descriptive narratives on their various shows, more LGBTQ-friendly and transgender-friendly approaches and narratives and storylines. That's exactly what they're doing with this new series. And again, if you have Disney Plus at home, I caution you about your kids watching this new series called Baymax, because this is what they're now being exposed to. Is that what you want? For your children. All right, more coming up on the Radar Catch Show. When we come back, we'll talk about a farm labor shortage and what needs to be done about it here in Utah and around the country. That's all coming up on the Radar Catch Show. Great to be with you on this Thursday afternoon. If you want to be a part of the program, of course, 888-5708010 or on your cell phone, dial pound 250 and say, hey, Rod. The- with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Every day, we rise challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. 
Live on campaign. It is a campaign here in the state of Utah to prevent suicide, and it's been going on now for a number of years. And this year again, iHeartMedia, along with uh, Academy Mortgage and the Strong Auto Group and the Utah Department of Health and Services, Health and Human Services, are involved in this campaign. And I'm joined right now on center stage today uh, with uh, Rachel Luzinski. She is with the uh, Huntsman Mental Health Institute. Rachel, great to have you on the show today to talk about mental health and suicide here in the state of Utah. The focus this year is on mental health and illness in the workplace. Why is that so important, Rachel? It's a great question, Rod. First of all, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, we see that folks spend so much time in the workplace mm-hmm. and often are um, spending more time day to day with coworkers and colleagues than they might be with their close friends and family members. And when we're looking at mental health challenges or potential risks of suicide, the most important thing folks can do is notice when someone's behavior changes, when there's a a change in maybe their work performance or their sleep patterns. And so folks at work are a great front line of defense for noticing suicidal warning signs Mm -hmm. in their colleagues and for recognizing that there's a lot of stressors that people carry outside of work and that those, those can bleed into the workplace. Is this a relatively new field for business to recognize, yes, there is help, and yes, you need to pay attention to this? It does seem to be relatively new. It's always been an issue, but especially with the global pandemic, uh, workplaces have really seen that the stressors of life and society in general have been Im- impacting people in the workplace more. And it can be harder to separate and have true work and professional uh, excuse me, work and and personal life Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, separation. And so there's a lot more focus on how do we keep folks um, supported, healthy, and engaged in the workplace. And that includes being aware of what's happening outside of work and connecting them to resources that could ultimately... Right now, and they say, well, I don't know how to do it. What do I do? How do I approach somebody? Is there a website or suggestion? Where would you send people, Rachel? Absolutely. I would send people to liveonutah.org. It's a wonderful resource where it's the state's uh, hub for suicide awareness and suicide prevention resources. It can be so uncomfortable to notice these changes and not know how to approach it. People have a lot of misperceptions that if they ask someone about suicide, it might plant that mm-hmm. thought in yeah, their head. Yeah, yeah. That is um, a, a proven fact that that does not happen. It actually is uh, the number one way that folks can start these potentially life-saving conversations. Um, so it can create space where folks feel really seen, where they feel safe to talk about their concerns, and it might be that that conversation that could get them the help they need. So it's very normal to feel afraid or uncomfortable navigating those situations. Again, liveonutah.org has a lot of resources on how to start those conversations. And then what to do if someone does say that they're having thoughts of maybe harming themselves or considering suicide. Um, you don't have to navigate that alone. All right. Rachel will be with us throughout the day today on Center Stage. It is Live on Utah. Download the free iHeartRadio app and discover music, radio, and podcasts you'll love this summer. Thursday afternoon. Great bumper music from uh, the Stones. Uh, all right, uh, some big rulings coming out from the Supreme Court today. Uh, a good one in the fact that the uh, court ruled the EPA is overstepping its authority when it comes to uh, regulating carbon emissions is really up to the up to members of Congress 
to write those regulations, not some bureaucrat in Washington. So the APA's power has been uh, pulled back a little bit. Now, the other discouraging ruling came from the court that the uh, Biden administration can eliminate the remain in Mexico policy that was very effective in the battle down on the uh, border with Mexico. So a good a good decision and a bad decision, I think, today on the part of the, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court. Now, earlier today, the Utah Farm Bureau Federation, the American Business Immigration Coalition, and the Salt Lake uh, Chamber of Commerce held a news conference. And the whole idea behind this was to call attention to the urgency of fixing Utah's and really, I think the nation's extreme farm labor shortage. Joining us on our Newsmaker line to talk more about that is Ron Gibson, president of the Utah Farm Bureau Federation, good friend of the program. Ron, how are you? Welcome back to the show. Well, hey, how you doing, Ron? I'm great. Good, good. How's the farming business going this year, Ron? Have you got enough water? <laughs> well, we never have enough water. Having enough water is just like having enough money. You yeah. never quite have enough. <laughs> you never have enough. Ron, you held a news conference with the other groups that I mentioned today. Um, how critical is the labor situation for farming in the state of Utah right now. How would you describe it, Ron? Well, I've just never seen anything like it. I mean, we have such a need, and we have unemployment here in the state at 1.9%, and people don't want to come work on the farm. And it's just crazy. Like, we have such a hard time finding people to work. Now, I understand you're working on a measure which would change some things. What is that measure, and how would it change things? So, ag labor, ag workforce, um, seems like we kind of put something together about every generation. And the last time that Congress dealt with this was back in 1986. And um, so we've been working with our federal delegation to try to get something moving on this and the house passed something that's called the workforce modernization act um they passed it last year and they passed it two years in a row and the senate hasn't taken it up yet so the senate's trying to get their arms around it and and basically what it does is it creates an opportunity for people to come from other countries not just for seasonal work. So right now, for example, any farm that isn't a seasonal farm can't bring in workers from other countries. So a dairy farm or a hog farm or a poultry farm cannot bring in workers from other countries through the H-2A program. So it's very important that we get something like that done. Ron, why has the Senate not taken a hold of this? I mean, by the sounds of it, the House has been willing to do something. Any idea as to why the Senate has been reluctant to look at it? Well, everything that has to do with immigration right now is a political focus. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, amen to that. Yeah. And and so, so the Republicans feel like we're not touching this until we've secured the border. And and the Democrats want to, they want everybody here with with no rules or regulations. And in the meantime, we're putting our food supply and our national security at risk by not dealing with the fact that we don't have enough workers in agriculture. Our processing plants don't have enough workers, so they cut back on production. Our, you know, every one of our, I mean, I, I just, I don't even know a farmer in the state that can tell you that they have enough people working for them right now. I mean, 
we could use 15 more guys at our farm right now today, and and we just can't get them. What happened, Ron? I mean, did you has has this been a persistent problem, or have things changed over the years? Well, in my view, Rod, I think what happens is every generation we get just a little bit further from the farm, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I think that I think that we lose a little bit of that connectivity of what it is, and you know as well as I do that that um, the generations today, you know, now it's grandpa's farm. It's not dad's anymore. They remember grandpa's or great grandpa's farm, and and there's just not as much desire for people to come work on the farms. And it's, and it's not that we're not paying a lot of money right now. My H2A workers are making about $22 an hour for, for mm-hmm. hoeing onions mm-hmm. and, and helping us, helping us to pick the vegetables and that kind of stuff. We, we have a guaranteed base wage rate of $16 an hour. And then on top of that, we have to provide room and board and transportation to and from their country and, and transportation while they're here, all those things. Just imagine if you could, you know, if you could make 16 bucks an hour and you didn't have any housing expenses. So they come here and, and we take really good care of them, but it's not legal right now to use those, those workers on a permanent agricultural yeah, yeah, operation. Yeah. Knowing, so that's what we need to work out. Yeah. Knowing this in election year, are you at all optimistic anything's going to get done on this, Ron, realistically? No. Um, it's, and, and, and that's the thing. is I, I believe that politics rule the day, and I believe that we're in, a, we're in a tough spot politically back there. They're in the biggest gridlock ever. But we need to wake up as Americans and decide – that our food supply is important. And I've, I've talked about this before when I've been on this radio show, but, but when agriculture suffers, our economy will suffer and people will suffer. Yeah. And we can go without, we can use less fuel and we can do a whole bunch of things. We can cut back on a lot of things as consumers, but what we don't want to do is see people go hungry. Well, that's for sure. Can't cut back on the food. Ron, always great chatting with you. Thanks and good luck with this. Thank you, Ron. Thank you, Ron. Yeah. All right, Ron Gibson. He is the uh, president of the Utah Farm Bureau Federation, talking about the farm labor shortage, not only here in Utah, but around the country. More coming up on the Rod Arkent Show and Utah's Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. Listen, and you'll know, let's talk about housing up and down the Wasatch Front and really in the greater Salt Lake City area. Things are kind of back to normal. You know, we've lived in a very hot real estate environment for the last two or three years. But with interest rates going up, things are cooling down a little bit but they're still the way they used to be. That means there's still a lot of homes on the market and people are interested in buying and they can get the financing to buy a home. So if you're thinking about selling your home, may I suggest you work with Justin Udy and Team Real Estate. Justin has been in the business for a long time. He sold over 1,000 homes in the greater Salt Lake area. He has the knowledge and the experience and he's somebody you can trust and he's got a great team behind him. And with the Century 21 Everest Group, you know you are going to get great service. He also has a 14-day guarantee. List your home with Justin. And if it's not under contract within 14 days, Justin will sell it for no commission whatsoever. So what are you waiting for? You want to sell your home? You want to sell it quickly and get as much money as thousands of Tens machines? Of thousands. That's way more than I was expecting. <laughs> yeah. Listen to Bloomberg Crypto on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Give me back my land. Give me back.
The Rod Arquette Show on Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. Big pro-life rally coming up on uh, Saturday at the Utah State Capitol. We'll have details on that and talk with the uh, one of the organizers who is behind that rally. That's coming up at the uh, top of the hour here on the Rod Arquette Show. Um, the number of Americans who believe gender is assigned at birth is growing. New research, this coming from the uh, Pew Research Group, found that while pro-trans rhetoric has reached a, uh, I think it's fair to say, a fever pitch over the last several years, uh, Americans are buying into the idea that gender is unrelated to biological sex. Matter of fact, a new survey uh, based on interviews of some 10,000 U.S. adults found that 60% of Americans believe gender is determined by their sex assigned at birth. Kind of interesting. This comes as a group of House Democrats are making a politically questionable decision to advance a proposal calling for a transgender bill of rights. Apparently, it's not enough that all signs point to them getting utterly crushed. They're going to do it anyway. Meanwhile, there's a story out that California is on its way to becoming a sanctuary state for transgender children who want to circumvent the laws banning medical procedures in their home states. That is being reported by my next guest, Tori Richards. Tori is an investigative reporter at the Washington Examiner and joins us on our Newsmaker line right now. Tori, how are you? Welcome to the show. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, thank you for having me. Terry, uh, Tori, what's going on in California wanting to become a uh, transgender state or a uh, sanctuary state, I should say, for transgender children? What exactly are they doing in California, Tori? Well, it's just like they had to be the first with illegal immigrants <laughs> and abortion. Now they want to do this. Um, so uh, senator, a state senator from San Francisco decided that, hey, I don't like these laws in various states like Texas where they're outlawing medical procedures for children that involve transgenderism, such as hormone shots or even uh, mastectomies. And so he thought, we need to be a safe haven. Um, we don't want someone from Texas coming here and having something, and then they go back home, and then they get in trouble because uh, they were allowed to come here with their parents um, because it is a crime there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they decided, well, you know, we're a safe and free state. Everyone can just come here, and we're going to ignore any subpoena or anything else from another state. And that actually violates the U.S. Constitution. Um, California is not a separate country. Um, they have to obey the laws of other states if there's some jurisdictional things, such as a court case. Um, this type of thing would involve all sorts of problems if you have child custody issues and one parent lives in Texas, for example, another out here. Um, this law basically says, oh, okay, I can ignore the parent in Texas and do what I want just because I'm in California. And um, huh. Mr. Judge in Texas, uh, like you be damned. <laughs> so That's ba basically what it says. So basically California said, we don't care about the law. We're going to allow people to come into this state and do whatever they want, and we don't care. Right, and if there's an order with a judge in Texas, for example, that says, hey, you know, you guys have joint custody, you both have to agree on medical procedures or whatever, I mean, 
that law, they're just going to ignore it. And I mean, I'm sorry, that court case, they're going to ignore it in California. And in fact, this new bill says uh, the subpoenas from other states are not recognized. And it says attorneys in California who are licensed by the state bar are not to issue any subpoenas on their own or help out other states. Tori, how much support does this idea have in California right now, do you feel? Do you get a sense? I, I mean, there are the usual people on social media that were just saying, oh, way to go. But I think most people, they either don't care because it doesn't involve their kids or um, they don't really think it's an issue that impacts their lives. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, I did a series of stories on transgender medical issues, and I talked to numerous mothers and fathers who pulled their children out of this lifestyle, and every single one that I talked to, and there's six, and their kids were involved in various horrible degrees, including one who committed suicide when it was taken away by the county of Los Angeles. Um, every single one was a registered Democrat that left the Democrat Party, and they're no longer Democrats. So I just don't think this is as popular as the left seems to think it is for people. Um, but it just doesn't impact the majority of society. So for them, this is the hill to die on. But I don't think regular people think that. But the fact that they're trying to tell other jurisdictions what they can and cannot do in court, it's very troubling. Yeah, Tori, you did that, that series you did in which you talked to the six people that you just mentioned— that had to be a difficult series to write and report on, hearing these stories. Oh, no, it was horrible. It was heartbreaking. And some of these parents were really strong. I mean, some, like one woman in Los Angeles, I mean, lost her daughter, and the county, she said, the county of Los Angeles murdered my daughter. And they did. Uh, but other parents were really strong, and they just packed up and they moved because they said, hell no. You know, I'm moving to another state. I see the writing on the wall on what's going to happen to my kid. So it, it it all depends on how strong the parent is to handle a situation like this. And it's really tough because you have schools, um, you know, maybe social service clubs that they're in who are saying, don't tell your parents and this mm. is the lifestyle that we're in. Mm. Um, and peer pressure is very strong. So now you have this with California. And I'm working on a story, what's it going to take to undo this law, which is illegal, by the way. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And it's going to take some parent in another state suing um, to try to undo this because yeah. it'll stand as long as, as people let it. Um, illegal laws are passed all the time in California, all the time. <laughs> Only in California, right, Tori? Tori, thank yeah, you. Yeah, that's the saying we have out here. <laughs> I'm out here, by the way. So sorry for me. All right, Tori. Well, thank you, and uh, enjoy the 4th of July. Thank you, Tori. You too. Thank you for having me on. All right. On our Newsmaker line, that's Tori Richards. She is an investigative reporter with the Washington Examiner telling the story and uh, reporting today. Great story about how California is now pushing to become a sanctuary state for trans children. Only in California. More coming up on the Rod Arquette Show. Rachel Luzinski from the uh, Huntsman Mental Health Institute joining us on center stage today as we talk about the Live On campaign. Rachel, um... You know, the focus this year is on mental health and illness in the workplace, encouraging companies to be aware of it and employees to be aware of it. But how difficult is it for a coworker to go up to another coworker and say, yeah, you're doing okay, you're having trouble, can we talk about it? I mean, that's got to be hard for people. Absolutely. That can be such an uncomfortable conversation to have. And depending on the relationship with someone, it might even feel inappropriate to yeah, ask yeah. that question. Like you've gone too far. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
the most important thing to do, though, is look for changes in their behavior and to have the courage to ask those questions. And Rod, you handled it beautifully um, in a really non-threatening and open-ended way. Hey, I've noticed some things maybe seem off with you. I'm here to talk if you need anything. Or you've seemed down lately. Are you doing okay? Is there anything I can help with? That's a really natural way to start the conversation that might feel more tactful than, are you considering harming yourself? Um, it's, it's a lot more comfortable if it opens up an actual dialogue with someone. But do you get to a point where you can ask that critical question, have you thought about harming yourself? Absolutely. That is a way to really progress the conversation. There's some key flags, uh, red flags or warning signs to look out for where maybe you know someone's gone through financial troubles or had a, a divorce or, or breakup. Um, maybe they have an ill uh, family member, parent or, or loved one or some challenges at home. Um, maybe you've seen them struggling at work or or really noticeable patterns in their hygiene, their mm-hmm, appearance, mm-hmm, their sleep mm-hmm. behavior. Um, those are things that can say, hey, here's what I'm noticing and I care about you. And then see how they they respond and handle the conversation. If they open up some, it is okay to take it to the next question of, you know, I've heard that sometimes these things can lead to thoughts of harming yourself. Have you ever considered that? My hope is to let you know that I care about you and I'm here to help. When you really communicate that your intention is to support them and that you care, um, someone might really be willing to open up and then it really could save their life. Rachel, I know there's a website out there. Give the address and what people can find on that website. Yes. If folks visit liveonutah.org, it's a great place where um, you can look at what some of these changes in behavior and warning signs look like. It has a random generator Mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. conversation starters and ways you can approach the conversation with your colleagues. And it even has resources that exist in the community. If someone does say they're considering harming themselves of professionals that you can bring in to provide additional support. So again, that's liveonutah.org. And it's a great place to learn more and equip yourself for conversations that really need to be happening. If you need some help, go to that website, liveonutah.org. That's liveonutah.org. The effort this year, of course, being so... 833-ED, no fun. For a free consultation and trial treatment, a $650 value. Put the happy back in your relationship. to the Rod Arquette Show with you on this uh, Thursday. Uh, coming up in the uh, 5 o'clock hour, new poll out today uh, showed that a record low number of Americans are not proud to be Americans. Only 38% say they are extremely proud. That's the lowest Gallup has ever seen. So I want to, you know, we won't be here tomorrow or on Monday because of the July 4th weekend. So I'm going to take an opportunity in the, uh, in the 5 o'clock hour and let you come on and say why you're proud to be an American. I mean, this country is going going through some difficult times. Uh, very similar. We've been through this before. We'll get through it. I'm very optimistic we will. Um, but, you know, to have only 38% of the American people say they are extremely proud to be an American. I am extremely proud to be an American. And I'd like to find out from you why you are or why you are not. Why aren't you proud to be an American? I mean, extremely proud. Yeah, we, we, we've got our problems. I understand that. But it's still a fantastic country. I still think the American dream is alive and well, defending, uh, depending on how you define it. So we'll talk about that coming up. Um, I want to thank Roger. Roger is a listener to the show. I was talking about this story earlier. I mentioned at the uh, start of the show, thinking of uh, talking about July 4th. 
where a uh, California school board member uh, calling for people in her school district to boycott the 4th of July because she said, quote, there is no reason to celebrate. And he wrote in and he said, because I didn't know where Contra Costa, California is. And Roger shot me a note. He said he was raised in Contra Costa, California, the county in California. It is in the East Bay area, east of Oakland, in the next little valley. It includes Concord, Walnut Creek. I've stayed in Walnut Creek before. Nice community, or at least it used to be. Haven't been there forever. And uh, Danville, California. So that's where Contra Costa, California is. He did add the fact, he said, you know, for this lady... Uh, to mention what she did makes me embarrassed to say I was from there. These libs are sick and wrong. And speaking of wrong, another story out of California this afternoon, West Hollywood, California, West Hollywood, the city council there voted on a three to two vote to defund. It is Ryan here. And I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The city's police department. <laughs> That's right. They're just, you know... Uh, let's see, Crime Wave, Los Angeles area, pretty bad, but West Hollywood, they're going to defund the police department. Wise move on the part of the people in California, at least in that community. All right, we've got another hour coming your way. We'll talk about a big pro-life rally up at the state capitol this weekend. We'll talk about rs.com for your chance to win. Money, that's money. Enter it now. The Rod Arquette Show here on Utah's Talk Radio, 105.9 KNRS, and available everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome back. Hour number two on this Thursday, big July 4th weekend coming up this weekend. Let's see. It was about 10 minutes past 8 last Friday morning, a week ago tomorrow, when we learned of the Supreme Court's decision on Roe v. Wade and the Casey case involving Planned Parenthood and, of course, the, quote, constitutional right to have an abortion. Of course, we know what happened. The Supreme Court said, nope, that is not a guaranteed right. And as a matter of fact, they sent the issue back to the states the way it should be. So every state can decide on the restrictions or the allowances that they will have for abortions in their state. It has been quite a week. And tomorrow, there will be a rally. Not tomorrow. I'm sure on Saturday, the 2nd, there will be a rally at the Utah State Capitol at 2 p.m. A new era is born a post-Roe v. Wade celebration. And joining us on our Newsmaker Line to talk more about that is our good friend Mary Taylor, president of Pro-Life Utah. Mary, how are you? Welcome back to the Rod Arquette Show. 
Hi. Hi, Rod. How are you, Mary? (laughs) (laughs) I'm very good, Rod. How are you? I'm doing very well. Mary, it has been quite a week, hasn't it? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I honestly never thought I would see this in my lifetime. Yes, it has been quite a week. (laughs) You know what, Mary? Um, Ronald Reagan wrote an essay on abortion 10 years after the Roe v. Wade decision. It was a marvelous essay, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show. Well, the one thing I noticed he said were people like yourself who were dedicated to the pro-life effort to never give up the fight and keep going. It's going to take a while. He said it would take a while to overturn this, but we cannot let down our guard. People like yourself involved in the pro-life movement and others here in the state of Utah and around the country, you never gave up, uh, did you, Mary? That had to be very, very difficult. Oh, some days it was, but you're right. There, There is definitely... Uh an attitude in the pro-life community to that we won't stop. We won't stop until those babies are safe. Mary, you've got a rally coming up tomorrow. Uh, what do you hope to do? I mean, not tomorrow. I, I mean, I'm off tomorrow, so I'm thinking it's Saturday tomorrow, but this is coming <laughs> up on Saturday, Mary. What what will people see? What do you want them to do? Yes, yes. It's, it's a day of celebration, a day of gratitude, not so much a rally, but just a coming together of the pro-life community. Uh, we will meet on the steps of the state capitol at 2 p.m. Bring your chairs, uh, your water bottles. It's going to be hot, but it's going to be short. So um, join us. You know, for, we threw this together in a week, but for such short notice, we have a fantastic lineup. We have Senator Dan McKay, who passed Utah's trigger bill. We have Representative Burgess Owens. We have Nathan Osman will give a musical performance for us. So it it is just going to be a lot of fun. The trigger law is on a temporary restraining order because of one judge here in the state of Utah. Were you surprised that that happened at all, Mary? Oh, I guess we shouldn't have been surprised, right? I mean, I I know the, the the battle's not over, and I think the other side will do everything that they can. I really am confident this is a temporary setback. So, um, yeah, a little bit surprised, but we shouldn't have been. <laughs> I, 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 want, I, I know you were on with Greg last week when this decision came down, but where were you the morning this was announced? And what was your initial oh. <laughs> reaction, Mary? Yes, well, you know what, for the what, four weeks prior to that, I had Uh been sitting at my computer every morning that the Supreme Court was going to release decisions and refreshing my computer and refreshing my computer. And I really had convinced myself it wouldn't be until this week. And so when it came down Friday, the first decision came down. No, it wasn't Dobbs. The second decision come down. No, it wasn't Dobbs. The third one, I was kind of getting a little lackadaisical, and here it come. And so I I was just, I literally screamed. <laughs> <laughs> was it emotional for you? Was it emotional for oh, you? Oh, my gosh. Rod, this is, a, you know my story, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I've been fighting this a long time. This is really a personal victory for me. Yes, it was very emotional. Okay, now Utah has a trigger law, um, and hopefully it'll be put into effect here after this temporary restraining order runs out. Does it need to be even more restrictive, Mary, or are you happy the way it stands now? You know, I think a lot of thought was put into that legislation. I'm really happy with it just the way it is. And so no changes? Well, you know, I I wouldn't say we're not open to suggestions, but I I don't see any urgent need for anything. I, th- I think it's a very well-written uh, piece of legislation. It, Mary, is 
is Utah ready for a post-Roe uh, state? Are we ready to help women who find themselves pregnant and maybe do not want that child? Are we ready to help them out? Well, I think uh, a lot of people are behind the scenes going as fast as they can to make sure that we're ready. Yes, I, I think we're ready. Do we need to do more? Most definitely. Um, but I think, I think that's everyone's number one priority. What, what do you think needs to be done, Mary? What are some of the things that you would like to see take place? Well, I, I, with all my heart, believe that the reason that abortion became such an invasive thing in our culture is because we did not have support systems for women back in 1973 or, or all, you know, that 49 years mm-hmm, <laughs> between mm-hmm. then and now. And we need to make sure we don't let that happen again. We need there to be answers for women who are facing crisis pregnancies. Joe Biden today went after the Supreme Court, uh, basically, uh, you know, really going after the support uh, or going after the Supreme Court, which I thought was uh, beneath any president of the United States, if you agree or disagree with the decision. But he mentioned the fact that he would be in favor of uh, ending the filibuster just to codify abortion into federal law. Are you concerned about that at all, Mary? Oh, it's a terrifying thought, an absolute terrifying thought. I think the Supreme Court got it just right that this is not a federal issue. This is a state's issue. And for Joe Biden to try to push his beliefs on all 50 states is just, uh, I think, an overreach. Yeah, from a man who at one time was against abortion. Kind of interesting, Mary. All right, right. Mary. Yeah, right. give the details of the rally coming up on Saturday. Where, when, and what do people need to do, Mary? Saturday, 2 p.m., south steps of the state capitol. Bring your chairs, bring your water bottles. This is going to be a historic event. You are going to want to tell your grandchildren you were there. So join us. What a way to kick off Independence Day weekend. That sure is. Mary, always a pleasure having you on the show. Good luck with the event on Saturday. Thanks, Mary. Thank you, Rod. All right. On our Newsmaker line, that is uh, Mary Taylor. She is president of Pro-Life Utah. Again, if you wanted, and as she said, it's really not a rally. It's a celebration uh, of life in America today and life here in Utah. A new era is born, a post-Roe v. Wade celebration. It gets underway Saturday, 2 p.m. at the Utah State Capitol. Yes, it will be warm, so bring a lawn chair. Bring something to drink. They are not going to have it very long. But Mary will be there along with other people, including Congressman Burgess Owens, State Senator Dan McKay, who is involved in the trigger law. There'll be musical entertainment performed by Nathan Osman. Again, that's 2 p.m. Saturday afternoon at the State Capitol. More coming up on the Rod Arquette Show and Utah's Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. Listen and you'll know. On center stage today, we're talking about the Live on Utah campaign. This is a campaign to prevent suicide. And Rachel Luzinski with the Huntsman Mental Health Institute is with me today on center stage. We've talked about employees getting involved with a co-worker who they may have noticed is having some trouble. But what about the employer? What should they do, Rachel? That's a great question. Em- employers should do many of the same things, which is uh, look for those changes in behavior that they might notice in their employees and empower their leaders to have those conversations one-on-one and check in on the emotional and mental well-being of their staff, especially from a, a workplace standpoint. A healthy and resilient workforce is a happy and productive workforce. Mm-hmm. And it's very critical that folks know that if they do bring up concerns about their emotional or mental well-being, that they won't be penalized in the workplace, that it won't negatively impact their career. We hear so often from folks that that's the number one reason they don't want to say anything. Mm-hmm. They feel they have to power through it 
or else people will judge them and think less of them. So making sure they have clearly defined policies of here's how we will support you, here's resources that exist, whether it's the employee assistant program in their organization, access to therapy resources, connection to no-cost resources in the community like the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline um, or potentially the SafeUT app, um, that there are resources that exist and that employees won't be penalized for using them. Mm-hmm. Is it wrong for a coworker who may have noticed, you know, a, a, another uh, individual in the company is having trouble for that coworker instead of going to the employee, go to the employer and to say, hey, I think somebody over there is having trouble. You may want to talk to him. Is it wrong for them to do that? I think there's no wrong way to try to help someone mm-hmm. as long as the intentions yeah. Yeah. are pure. Yeah. Um, and, and they might not have a coworker relationship where it feels comfortable to have that. And it might feel more appropriate coming from their supervisor, um, especially if they're noticing things like a late attendance or more absenteeism for an employee that used to be mm-hmm. a stellar performer. Um, those are great conversations where you can say, hey, I know how wonderful you are. I know how things maybe have been hard and I'm noticing changes. How are you feeling? Are there things I can do to support you? Those are great ways to open the door for conversation and then let folks know that you care. There are resources you can connect them to. Um, Those are are wonderful ways in the workplace to have those conversations. Speaking of resources, LiveOn has a great website. What is the address to that? It's liveonutah.org, and it has a lot of ways that you can start the conversations, identify warning signs, and connect to other resources. Download the free iHeartRadio app and discover music, radio, and podcasts you'll love this summer. Throughout our catch show with you on this Thursday afternoon, 888-570-8010, the number to call if you want to be a part of the program, or you can simply dial pound 250 on your cell phone, and you'll be prompted, and all you do is have to say, hey, Rod, don't say hey, or don't say Rod, but say hey, Rod, and that will put you into the show as well. All right, um, when you hear the term sex trafficking, you know, um, a lot of people don't think it happens here in Utah. Or it's not that big of a deal. Well, believe it or not, it is, as a matter of fact. It's one of Utah's little dirty secrets, so to speak, and I'm talking about rampant sex trafficking. Well, today there was a luncheon. It involved law enforcement officials, uh, many people involved in the sex trafficking efforts to try and stop it. They held a news conference today, a luncheon, featuring a presentation from a sex trafficking survivor, a law enforcement officer, and victim advocates. And it was announced a donation of $100,000 to build the state's first residential program for trafficking victims. Joining us on our Newsmaker line to talk about that is Jana Christiansen, a board member of the Aspen Magdalene House that is a treatment center for victims of sex trafficking. Jana, thanks for joining us this afternoon. You know, when you think about this and you talk about sex trafficking, you don't think about Utah, but it does take place here, doesn't it? It happens more than you think. The speaker we had today spoke about her experience um, after she, she was um, she was in the military mm-hmm. and had a... Uh, had a um, concussion and started using pain medication, which led to drug addiction. She was um, born bred in Utah, and in Utah, she met her um, boyfriend, who turned into her trafficker. And um, she talked about, you know, so a girl who went to high school, she graduated from Brigham High, 
and she, um, you know, very successful, went into the military, but once she had that injury, you know, found herself, you know, in a traffic situation where she was involved with um, people in organized crime in Utah. <laughs> so, so she was being used as payment, uh, is what she yeah, felt like, or correct. someone told her. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah, and she didn't really realize that she'd go to the um, to these parties or functions where people were, and people would say, "You know why you're here?" And she'd go, "What? Why?" They're like, "Oh, your payment." So, and then she, I guess, was passed around the room. Yeah, it, it, it's pretty amazing when you hear this, uh, Jenna. Jenna, tell me exactly what the Aspen Magdalene House is doing, and what are you doing here in Utah? Well, the Aspen Magdalene House is um, will be a home that will provide a two-year residential program for women who've been trafficked. First, they will be um, receive drug rehabilitation, and then they'll be welcomed into the home where they will receive continued counseling, they'll receive legal um, services, medical services, dental services, there'll be um, a multitude of different healing um, activities, but after a year, they will be p- um, put into our, um, our education program and employment program, where they will, will work on and have them develop skills and learn work ethics, and so when they leave the home at two years, they'll have enough money for a, um, down, you know, a down payment on a car, first and last month's rent, and so they, and, and hopefully their um, records will be as clean as we can get them, and they'll have some solid sobriety, and, uh, and they'll have a network of peers, of peers to lean on. Jenna, how difficult is it for an individual who's been involved in sex trafficking, and I'm not sure for how long, but for, I mean, even for a short period of time, how difficult is it for them to come out of that, get the treatment they need, and to resume a normal life if, in fact, they can have one? Well, it's, uh, next, it's, very, it's very difficult. Um, one of the things we love about this model, based on Sizzle Farms from Nashville, Tennessee, is their high success rate, which is um, about an 80% success rate. In just a drug rehabilitation, the success rate is like 5 to 10%. And so, um, so this model, dealing with people with, you know, complex trauma, is so, so successful because I think it's so in-depth. But it is incredibly difficult for the women. Most of them go back to what they call the life. And um, because, you know, you get out of drug, tre- drug treatment, but you don't have any skills, you don't have any money, you're, you still aren't hireable because you have a felony or misdemeanor, you, um, you're, you still don't have money for medical or dental, and there's, you just, it's all you know. So it's, it's next to impossible. Why did you and your family get involved in this, Jenna? What prompted you to say, we've got to help here? Well, I... Um, I am a woman in recovery myself, and um, in recovery, I work with women who um, are trying to get sober. And as I sit with those women, and they have they we do step work, and they've shared with me their experiences. Frequently, like Stacy, our speaker today said, they don't even recognize they were trafficked until they've been out of it for a while, or had someone say that's trafficking. But I've sat across from these women, 
and watched and heard their stories and said, and hear these stories of, well, my boyfriend made me go to the truck stop. And first he would make me lash, lash truckers for $10. Then it was going into the cab of the truck and so on. And, um, and then you say, well, that's, and then he would take the money. And I would say, well, that's trapped. You were trafficked. And they're like, no, I shouldn't have done that. So there's a lot of things that you have to go through to recognize that you were put into this position of fraud and coercion. And you were saying, Jenna, many of them don't realize that. It takes them a little while to actually realize what's going on. Is that right? That's correct. Much like sex abuse in in children and and a very large percent of women women and men who've been trafficked have that part of piece of their story, that they were sexually abused as children. Um, Much like that, there's so much shame and guilt around that that they just, they can't tell the truth about it. it, You know, in our society, we make people feel shameful, you know. And so um, for them to be able to get to a place they can speak their truth is very difficult. Jenna, you'll be part of this new program here in uh, Utah, but there are, you have 64 homes around the country that is that is part of this effort. Uh, how successful have these other centers been around the country, Jenna? Well, I can't speak to all the centers, but I can speak to Thistle Farms, um, which is the who's the original founders of this program and this model. Um, their founder, Becca Stevens, and they're the ones who I quoted of having the 80% success rate. And it does go up go up a little bit and then lower, but it's at least 80%, which of women who leave the program, find employment, stay employed, and stay sober, and stay out of the legal system. On our Newsmaker line, that's Janet Christiansen. She is with the Aspen Magdalene Group. Uh, this is an organization that sets up treatment centers for victims of sex trafficking, making a donation of $100,000 in Salt Lake City today to begin the uh, project to set it up here in the state of Utah. More coming up on the Rod Arquette Show and Utah's Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. Now, summertime is here, hot today. What is the temperature right now? 93 degrees. Those of you who have air conditioning in your home, it's probably running all the time. But you may realize it's a little bit uneven. Maybe your bedrooms are upstairs, upstairs, second floor of the home, and you find it very hot in the evening, difficult to get asleep. Well, let me tell you what. The people at Rooftech can help you out. They can help you with the outrageous power bills that we may be seeing this year because of inflation. Rooftech may be able to help with those power bills. They had a customer call last year raving about how their new attic ventilation saved them more than $100 a month during the summer. Inflation, as I mentioned, driving up power bills, right? So there's never been a better time to upgrade your roof with Rooftech. The sooner you act, the more money you can save. And even if you do not need a new roof, Rooftech can get your new attic ventilation without replacing your roof. It's a no-brainer. Rooftech can make your home more comfortable and help you save on that power bill. Check it out. Of thousands of Tens machines. Of thousands. That's way more than I was expecting. <laughs> yeah. Listen to Bloomberg Crypto on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. One man, one goal. Rod Arquette Show on Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. All right, welcome back to the uh, Rod Arquette Show. A big, big day or big news, I should say, for uh, University of Utah football fans. There is a tweet coming over now that says the uh, Big Ten chancellors 
and presidents have now voted to accept the membership applications from USC and UCLA to join the Big Ten. That is a uh, tweet coming out of Southern California. It's just coming across right now. But apparently the vote was unanimous. So it appears both UCLA and USC may be moving to the Big Ten, leaving the Pac-12. Timetable on it we haven't seen yet, even though there are reports that would happen in 2024, a couple of years from now. So it looks like big changes in uh, college sports right now, uh, tweeting out that the chancellors and presidents of the Big Ten schools have accepted the applications from USC and UCLA to join the Big Ten and leave the Pac-12. All right, um, I've got a few minutes. I want to open up the phones to you. Of course, as I mentioned, we'll be gone tomorrow. We've got some great Fox News specials coming your way tomorrow afternoon. And then on Monday, we're off for the July 4th holiday, of course. And Ryan Gorman from WFLA in uh, Tampa will be filling in for me on Monday afternoon. We'll be back on Tuesday. So I won't be here to talk about Independence Day tomorrow. And I want to talk to you about it because I saw this story. Now, if you look at it one way, you know, it's kind of a glass half empty, glass half full approach to things. But the uh, Gallup survey, every year Gallup does a survey, kind of getting a sense as to where Americans are when it comes to their country right now. And this survey showed that a record low, the number you would consider pretty good, but I think it should be much better, but a record low 38% of Americans say they're extremely proud to be an American. Now, I'm not sure what the difference is between being extremely proud and being very proud, but it showed that sick only 38% are extremely proud to be an American. 27% are proud. So that would mean that 65% of U.S. adults express pride in their nation. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 22% say they're moderately proud. And nine, only 9% are a little proud, and 4% are not proud at all. So you can look at it glass half empty, glass half full, right? But only 38% say they're extremely proud to be an American. That's why I find it discouraging. Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I can say, look, Rod, you can't be extremely proud with everything that's going on in this country. Who says you can't? I mean, the mere fact that I have a three-hour radio show each and every day and can basically say whatever I want or whatever I feel, other than the seven dirty words, which will get me in a lot of trouble if I say them. Uh, But um, that's one thing to be proud of in this country. Now, there are efforts, of course, to limit our free speech. We've seen that taking place on social media. But still, you know, you talk about the American dream. And a lot of people define it in many, many different ways. And I've always felt that the American dream can be defined by freedom and opportunity. In this country, you have the freedom to pursue your dream. You have the opportunity to pursue your dream. And that's what, you know, know, the American dream is all about. So I've got a few minutes. I want to open up the phones to you tonight. 888-570-8010. 
And I want to talk to you Americans out there who are extremely proud to be an American. And where does that extreme pride come from? What is it about America that you are extremely proud of? And I, 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 I pointed out one thing. Free speech. Basically allowed to say whatever we want. You know, except in some cases. But free, free speech is really important. The right to practice your religion. The right to assemble. When Mary Taylor on a short time ago from Pro-Life Utah. They'll hold a big celebration Saturday at 2 o'clock up at the state capitol. It's a celebration of the Roe v. Wade decision in which the U.S. Supreme Court said, no, women do not have a constitutional right to have an abortion, and it is really up to each state to decide the rules and restrictions when it comes to abortion and protecting the unborn. You had the coach in Washington who lost his job because after a football game, he would go to the middle of the field, take a knee, and offer a quick silent prayer in which he thanked the Lord for the talents of his players and that none of the players on his team or the other team who were there playing were, were injured in the game. So, yeah, there are efforts to restrict religion. But still, in a way, I think there is religious liberty in this country today. So what makes you extremely proud to be an American? 888-5708010, Let's go to the phones and talk with Brigham, who's in Salt Lake City tonight. Brigham, how are you? Welcome to the show. I'm doing good. What makes you extremely proud to be an American, Brigham? I'm just very proud to be an American. And I'm 13. You're 13 years old and you're proud. What makes you proud to be American? The freedom and everything. Yeah. You get to be what you want to be. Yeah, you do. You're you're exactly right. Freedom and everything, that's what it's all about. Even those freedoms are being restricted at times. And yeah, we've got some fights going on in this country right now. But still, it is the greatest out there. All right, when we come back, more of your calls. 888-5708010, On your cell phone, dial pound 250 and say, hey, Rod. More coming up on the Rod Arquette Show. On center stage today, we've been talking about the Live On campaign, a statewide campaign to help prevent suicide here in the state of Utah. And I've been joined this afternoon by uh, with Rachel Luzinski, who is with the uh, Huntsman Mental Health Institute. Of course, this is a combined effort, and we'll explain all the people involved here in just a minute. But, Rachel, you we've talked about the liveonutah.org website. That's a great website, but there are other resources available out there as well. What are some of them? Absolutely. There are the 24-7 Utah Crisis Line, which mm -hmm. is connected with the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. That's available at no cost, is confidential, and is staffed by our certified crisis workers mm -hmm. at the Huntsman Mental Health Institute. Folks can access that by dialing 1-800-273-8255. And in a few weeks, on July 16th, they'll soon be able to access it by dialing the three-digit number 988, which is a very exciting um, a development because it's so much easier for folks to remember. Yeah. How about the Safe UT app? I mean, that's a valuable resource as well, right? Absolutely. The Safe UT app is available also 24-7 at no cost, uh, staffed by our master's level mental health counselors at the Huntsman Mental Health Institute. And it's available for students, parents, and educators in the state of Utah. We also have a version called Safe UTNG for Utah National Guard service members and family members. And we have a new version, which is Safe UT Frontline. And that's available for all of Utah's frontline workers. 
our healthcare workers, law enforcement officers, firefighters, EMS, and other first responders. We know the work can be so stressful and impactful, and folks are there 24-7 to provide uh, empathy, support, and connection to resources and, and care. And people really do need to know, Rachel, Absolutely. that there is help out there. They aren't alone in this because I know many people just feel so alone. They go, where do I turn? These resources can be very helpful. Yes, they sure can. It can feel very isolating and um, even shameful for folks to have feelings of suicide or um, feeling like they're the only ones who have struggles. And we want folks to know it's normal to have rough patches in life. It's even normal to have some passive thoughts of maybe life would be easier if I'm not here. Mm -hmm. Um, The difference is knowing that you don't have to have those thoughts alone. There are people available day and night who really care who are especially trained and experts in this field and who can help connect you to resources that exist, including in your own social circles and um, and really within your local community. And folks don't have to feel alone. They don't have to feel ashamed. There is hope. Um, there's always reasons to look forward and to live on. All right. And the be- not the best website, but the one that uh, you know we really want people to go to is what? LiveOnUtah.org. It's the state's centralized hub for all of these resources on suicide prevention, suicide awareness, how to recognize warning signs for suicidal thoughts, and how to start these conversations that could... Perfect vehicle and get approved. You fall in love at Low Book Sales, lowbooksales.com. All right, welcome back to our catch show on this Thursday afternoon. Uh, two very important rulings coming out of the Supreme Court today, their final day. Uh, Stephen Breyer has, of course, retired. We have a new Supreme Court justice in, in uh, Justice Jackson. Uh, she was sworn in today, the first black woman to serve on the U.S. Supreme Court, an historic moment today. Uh, the two rulings today dealt with the EPA, the uh, federal court, basically, or the Supreme Court, I should say, said that the uh, EPA does not have the authority to just enact policies. It is up to Congress to do so, and they are, they are there to enforce them. So it basically tells this, the, you know, the Green New Deal that the uh, president has been using his uh, bureaucrats to uh, push apparently is dead now. It'll take a while to sort all of this out, but that is a victory today. And Mike Lee has talked about this on this show and many other shows over the years uh, about how, you know, you have Congress write the laws— but then all of a sudden, the, the very various uh, policies, uh, the regulations to enact those laws are written by unelected bureaucrats, not Congress. And uh, the Supreme Court said uh, that is not the way it should be today. And uh, apparently that's a blow to the EPA and the uh, New Green Deal movement or the Green New Deal, whatever you call it anymore in this country, a severe blow to date. Now, the other ruling which is going to basically allow Joe Biden to do whatever he wants to do on our border with Mexico. The high court ruled today that Donald Trump's remain in Mexico policy was an executive decision, and therefore, as the chief executive of the United States of America, that the, uh, it is the president who has the ultimate authority when it comes to immigration rules and regulations. And despite the fact that there was a lawsuit delaying this, the court ruled in favor of the Biden administration who want to lift it. 
And um, you think there's chaos on the border right now. Wait until you see what happens now that this has been lifted. You are going to see, if you already aren't, a flood of illegal immigrants coming into this country. And it's exactly what the Biden administration wants. And there's not a whole lot that can be done about it uh, because it, in a, it is an executive falls under the powers of the president. Now, Congress can do some things if Republicans take control of the House and the Senate. Remember, the House controls the purse strings. So they can do something in that regard. But it's going to be on the fringe. You have got to get somebody back into the White House who really wants to do something about illegal immigration. Joe Biden has no desire to do anything about immigration. You know that, and I know that, and the country knows that. So those, you know, you feel sorry for the Border Patrol agents. You feel sorry for ICE. You feel sorry for the people who live in those communities down on the border with Mexico. And eventually, we're all going to feel it because costs are going to increase for welfare programs, health care programs, education, because those illegal immigrants are bringing their children. They want their children to be educated. They want their children to be taken care of by the American taxpayer. Uh, and even the Hispanics who live in that part of the country, down in Texas and in Arizona and in New Mexico, do not want illegal immigrants coming into this country. I heard an interview this morning with Representative Cuellar, who represents that district south of San Antonio, a longtime Democrat. But he said during the interview today, hey, look, Hispanic Americans do not want to see this taking place. But that's exactly what's happening. And there is nothing the Biden administration is going to do about it. They are going to let it happen. Mayorkas, Alejandro Mayorkas, who is a joke as the director of the Department of Homeland Security, has no intention to do anything about it. He would prefer to punish Border Patrol agents on horseback than he would for people who come into this country. So yes today for the Supreme Court on the EPA ruling, no today for the court on a remain in Mexico. Steve Moore will join us, talk about the significance of that EPA ruling coming up next on the Radar Catch Show as we move. Call Any Hour Services for help with your air conditioner today. Google Any Hour Services or schedule online at anyhourservices.com. Hour number three, the Rod Arquette Show with you on this uh, Thursday, final day of June in 2022. July 4th, big holiday weekend coming up. We'll be off tomorrow and again on Monday, back on Tuesday. Tomorrow at this time, we've got some great Fox News specials coming your way. And then on two, or on Monday, I should say, uh, Ryan Gorman from uh, radio station WFLA in Tampa will be uh, taking over the ship. That's on uh, Monday from 4 to 7. And uh, we'll be back, of course, on Tuesday. Uh, how you doing in fighting inflation? Dan was telling me earlier today, he paid, what, five twenty nine a gallon for gasoline. My wife the other day said she filled up our car, and it's, you know, 15-gallon, standard standard 15-gallon tank. Cost us $75 to fill up. A year ago, that would have cost about $45, maybe even less than that. Yet here we are, and Americans are having to cut back on their personal spending just because of inflation. Steve Moore. 
chief economist at Freedom Works, also a uh, one-time top economic advisor to former President Donald Trump, is joining us on our Newsmaker Line right now, his weekly visit to talk about the economy. Steve, before we talk about some of the numbers, a major announcement and ruling today by the U.S. Supreme Court, basically reeling in the EPA a little bit on business and all the regulations and rules that businesses have to deal with when it comes to the environment. How significant of a ruling is that today for business in America? Well, this is a gigantic case, and it's a real win for uh, big coal in America because, you know, coal has been one of our major sources of energy now for the last 50 to 100 years, and we now have, uh, we've had this war against coal by the Obama administration and now the Biden administration, which was using the EPA, uh, a regulatory agency, to uh, significantly reduce coal output and shut down coal plants. And what the court said, I think quite correctly, and I'm not a, I'm not a lawyer, but it seems uh, very in keeping with the Constitution, that the laws are made by the Congress, not the EPA, and that the EPA had overstepped. And if the Congress wants to have regulations on you know, reducing and, and shutting down coal plants, that should come from the legislative branch, not the executive branch, and this is, as I said, a big win for coal, a big loss for the climate change activists. Well, Steve, and, and Senator Mike Lee has always complained about this, that, you know, Congress doesn't pass the laws. They pass right. the intent of the law, but they leave it up to the bureaucrats to come up with the details. That's what the Supreme Court is saying. You can't do that. Well, I don't want to overstep this. I mean, because there is a case called the Chevron case, which is a kind of famous case mm-hmm. where this court's did delegate some authority to these regulatory agencies. I thought that was wrongly decided. And some of us had hoped that the the court might have just completely thrown out the whole Chevron uh, case and said, no, these regulations really have to be approved by Congress. They didn't go that far, Rod. But they did say in this case, in this particular case, the uh, EPA overstepped its bounds. So it was a, it was a victory for the coal industry, for sure, and for our energy supply, because coal is still a huge part of American energy. Uh, But it didn't go so far as to say regulatory agencies cannot make laws. They still effectively can. Steve, I want to go to uh, some of the comments the president made before he left Europe today, claiming that inflation in the U.S. is lower than it is around the rest of the world. We know the facts don't prove that, do they, Steve? But he keeps on trying to tell that story. Yeah, that was just, I think, a big gaffe by the president, because I, th- I can see the people in the White House kind of putting their hands on their own <laughs> and saying, oh, there he goes again, because it's demonstrably, not only do we not have the lowest unemployment rate in the Western world, we practically have the highest unemployment rate. So I think it was just a big gaffe by him. But his point was like in, in, in his speech, and I did watch m- most of that speech. And he was boasting about the American economy at a time when four out of five Americans think the economy and the country is headed in the wrong direction. Steve, let's talk about this. This, uh, And you wrote about that this week, about the supply chain problem. And it's really Biden. Does, does, does Joe Biden take, um, does he admit that he's to blame for any of this right now and his policies? Well, I think you know the answer to that. I mean, what the president is really, really good at is finger pointing and pointing at anybody but himself. Uh, this is not exactly a president who, uh, where the buck stops here. He he's always finding some other villain. The other thing he kept saying today was, "It's true. It's Putin. 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 Putin's the Russia. Russia. The Russia. <laughs> Putin's the reason we have high inflation and high gas prices." And look, there is some truth to that. No question about it. That the Putin invasion of Ukraine has re- uh, caused a rise in gas prices. But I think, look, everybody knows that. This uh, problem, supply chain issues, and uh, you know, a doubling of the gas price happened long before the 
um, invasion of uh, of Ukraine. But that certainly made it worse. And, the, you know, the real issue here is this is kind of an astounding thing that the country that actually has the, one of the strongest currencies right now, believe it or not, is Russia with the ruble. Now, you would have thought the, the idea was we would have these sanctions against Russia and that would destroy their economy. But their economy, unfortunately, has not been destroyed. Uh, and the reason for that is we've surrendered our leadership in oil and gas because Biden declared war on American oil and gas. And guess who's made up the difference? Russia. So they're getting rich off of our reduced uh, production. And that's actually funded the war machine that is, uh, you know, rolling through uh, Ukraine right now. And now next week or in the days to come, Biden now has to go to Saudi Arabia uh, and, mm. you know, on his hands and knees and beg them to increase their oil production. It's just a, a terrible policy. We need to be producing more of our energy here at home as we did under Trump. Well, these oil sanctions against Russia, Steve, as you just pointed out, really aren't doing any good. So they couldn't sell them to the West, but they're selling a lot of it to India and China, Steve. You've you've got it exactly right. And so that's why one of the policies, and by the way, these were feckless leaders that we had in NATO. If you look at Mm -hmm. the, the, uh, you know, uh, Macron and Trudeau and uh, you know, uh, Boris Johnson and Joe Biden. I mean, you wouldn't hire these people to mow your lawn. Right? <laughs> and so they're the people who are in charge of the economy, and they don't know what they're doing. They're talking about windmills as the solution to all these problems. And there's just no leadership. I mean, I wrote a column on this this week. But there is no, where are the Margaret Thatcher's or the Ronald Reagan's or the JFK's or the Winston Churchill's? I mean, you look at this group and you just, again, you, you wonder where where is the toughness. And it isn't there, and it's enabling our two greatest villain villains and enemies which are china and russia to kind of laugh at our back because china is producing all the coal now and russia is producing all the oil well steve and didn't macron uh wasn't he overheard telling you know, biden don't bother to go to saudi arabia and the united arab emirates because <laughs> they're, they're doing about all they can so don't ask for anything more well yeah, that's exactly what macron said i don't know if he wanted to capture it on the, <laughs> <laughs> on the microphone but he whispered that to president biden saying you know you're you're uh, you're not going to succeed. They may be able to increase their output a little bit. But look, you know, the Saudis and these OPEC countries are going to do whatever that they're going to try to maximize their profits. And so if they can uh, reduce the supply to increase the price, they will do that. And, and incidentally, these OPEC countries like Saudi Arabia didn't have a lot of pricing power when Trump was president because the number one oil producer was the United States. Yeah, pretty amazing. <laughs> Again, none of this stuff makes any sense. Yeah. From an economic, by the way, our carbon emissions rose last year in the United States because we're using uh, more coal, less natural gas, uh, and then you got coal. China has quadrupled their coal output over the last five years, and yet President Xi goes to these climate change meetings and says, oh, we're going to reduce our carbon emissions. He's, they're just <laughs> laughing at us. Final question for you, Steve. There was a poll out this week. I don't know if you saw it, but it said 83% of Americans are cutting back on personal spending due to inflation. It's really starting to hit home for a lot of people, isn't it, Steve? Yeah, and there was a report that came out this morning, what's, what's called the PCE, that's Personal uh, Consumption Expenditures, and it was the more bad news. I mean, I don't want to be a, uh, you know, a Debbie Downer on the, right before the 4th of July weekend, but we are, and by the way, the, the growth rate of the economy is now estimated to be negative 1% for the second quarter. It was negative 1.6% for the first quarter. If that number holds up, you know, tomorrow is the first day of the next um, fiscal year, uh, I mean, the half, uh, half of the year, then uh, we will actually officially be in a recession. I hope I'm wrong. Look, I think we're going to get through this. 
I don't, and, and, but we need better leadership in Washington. We really do. We need to, uh, Biden has to say, look, uh, my green energy strategy hasn't worked. We're going to produce more, more oil, more gas, more coal. We're going to stop the taxes, stop the spending. And if he did that, I think the country would celebrate. On our Newsmaker line, uh, Steve Moore, Chief Economist at Freedom Works, also uh, one time sat on the editorial board of the Wall Street Journal and, of course, the top economic advisor to former President Donald Trump talking about the economy. More coming up on the Radar Cat Show. How about the quality of life in Utah? How are we doing these days? We'll talk about that next right here on Utah's Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. We're an iHeartRadio station. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The Live On campaign. It is a campaign here in the state of Utah to prevent suicide, and it's been going on now for a number of years. And this year, again, iHeartMedia, along with uh, Academy Mortgage and the Strong Auto Group and the Utah Department of Health and Services, Health and Human Services, are involved in this campaign. And I'm joined right now on center stage today uh, with uh, Rachel Luzinski. She is with the uh, Huntsman Mental Health Institute. Rachel, great to have you on the show today to talk about mental health and suicide here in the state of Utah. The focus this year is on mental health and illness in the workplace. Why is that so important, Rachel? That's a great question, Rod. First of all, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, We see that folks spend so much time in the workplace Mm -hmm. and often are um, spending more time day to day with coworkers and colleagues than they might be with their close friends and family members. And when we're looking at mental health challenges or potential risks of suicide, the most important thing folks can do is notice when someone's behavior changes, when there's a a change in maybe their work performance or their sleep patterns. And so folks at work are a great front line of defense for noticing suicidal warning signs Mm -hmm. in their colleagues and for recognizing that there's a lot of stressors that people carry outside of work and that those, those can bleed into the workplace. Is this a relatively new field for business to recognize, yes, there is help, and yes, you need to pay attention to this? It does seem to be relatively new. It's always been an issue, but especially with the global pandemic, uh, workplaces have really seen that the stressors of life and society in general have been impacting people in the workplace more. And it can be harder to separate and have true work and professional or excuse me, work and and personal life Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, separation. And so there's a lot more focus on how do we keep folks Um, supported, healthy, and engaged in the workplace. And that includes being aware of what's happening outside of work and connecting them to resources that could ultimately save someone's life. All right. If people are hearing this right now and they say, well, I don't know how to do it. What do I do? How do I approach somebody? Is there a website or suggestion? Where would you send people, Rachel? Absolutely. I would send people to liveonutah.org. It's a wonderful resource where it's the state's uh, hub for suicide awareness and suicide prevention resources. It can be so uncomfortable to notice these changes and not know how to approach it. People have a lot of misperceptions that if they ask someone about suicide, it might plant that mm-hmm. thought in their yeah, head. Yeah, yeah. That is um, a, a proven fact that that does not happen. 
It actually is uh, the number one way that folks can start these potentially life-saving conversations. Um, so it can create space where folks feel really seen, where they feel safe to talk about their concerns. And it might be that that conversation that could get them the help they need. So it's very normal to feel afraid or uncomfortable navigating those situations. Again, liveonutah.org has a lot of resources on how to start those conversations. And then what to do if someone does say that they're having thoughts of maybe harming themselves or considering suicide. Um, you don't have to navigate that alone. All right. Rachel will be with us throughout the day today on Center. Plus, get hundreds of dollars cash back at closing. Text the word HURRY to 323232. Text HURRY to 323232. Brad Arkencho here on Utah's Talk Radio 1059 KNRS. Listen and you will know. You know, we talked about a uh, short time ago about uh, about a low number. 38% of Americans, according to a a new Gallup survey, said they are extremely proud to be an American. I would fall in that group. But that 38% is the lowest number that Gallup has ever seen since it started doing surveys like this. Now, there's still 27% who say they're very proud. So you put the numbers together pretty strong indication that a lot of Americans are proud to be Americans, but not extremely proud. Um, here in Utah, you know, this this is a marvelous state. I have lived here since, uh, what, 1977, I believe. Um, no, I think it was 79 when we came to Utah. And I have always enjoyed this state. I think the people here are great. I think, uh, you know, you can't beat... You can't beat the uh, the views that we have and the landscape that we have in this state. From the south to the north, absolutely stunning, the beauty that we have. Uh, and we have a booming economy, and it's been that way for 10 or 12 years now. We've been able to weather the recession. We've been able to, uh, even though another one could be right around the corner, we got through the pandemic just fine. But despite this booming economy, there's a new survey on the quality of life uh, and it raises some interesting questions. Joining us on our Newsmaker line to talk about right that, that right now is Sean uh, Tigan. He is with the Utah Foundation. Sean, thanks for joining us this afternoon. We have a booming economy, but your new survey shows that the quality of life here in Utah is on decline. What's going on, Sean? Yeah, you're exactly right about the economy. You know, we started this quality of life uh, project in, two, in 2011, right after the Great Recession, and if you look at going from 2011 to 2022, the only factor of community quality of life that's improved is jobs in the economy. But for 2022, it, it really took a dive. And, and looking at that, we found that most of that is driven by housing affordability and other housing costs. So really that inflationary stuff that everybody's talking about. So you've got a good economy, but there are some challenges when you have a good economy by the sounds of it, Sean. Is that fair to say? Yeah, you, you have challenges. You have a lot of people wanting to live here because this is a great place. And, and overall, you know, there are, we're doing pretty well on many of these community quality of life measures. But, you know, with that comes the, the nationwide affordability crisis that in terms of housing that might even be larger in, in uh, Salt Lake City and along the Wasatch Front and some other parts of Utah than, than much, much of the state. And, of course, uh, you know, gas prices and mm-hmm. everything else mm-hmm. with the inflationary. Mm-hmm. 
without getting into the weeds too much, exactly what do you take a look at, Sean, to determine the quality of life meter? Yeah, so we, we use 20 factors, and they're things related to you know education. They're things related to uh, the, the activities that we can uh, participate in in our communities, such as spiritual and religious activities or going to parks. Uh, there are things in, in terms of like the beauty of our neighborhoods. There's uh, traffic on the roads, and then and then of course, you know, given Utah, we have to ask about the the natural surroundings, so mountains and lakes and deserts and all the stuff that we love there. Okay, you you take a look at the. I know one of the big issues here is uh, housing availability and housing affordability. How much do those factors weigh in when you consider quality of life issues? You know, it, until then, like even last, the last time we did this was in 2018. Uh, the housing affordability and availability was was a big deal. Uh, but in 2022, it is this. So we we've got 20 factors. We've done this five times over the past 11 years. It is by far housing availability and affordability is by far the lowest performing measure out of all of those of all of those factors all of those years. It's a huge deal, and and when you're looking at kind of those inflationary things that I mentioned, that's that's the responsible for much of the decline from 2018 to 2022. Sean, I know there you look at a lot of factors, and I know you have some uh, areas of recommendation you think we should consider. But we before we go to that. Two issues that have come up over the last couple of years in this state, and I think around the country, one of them particular in this state, is the issue of water. As we continue to grow, will we have water to be able to grow? And the other issue is public schools. Did you look at that, and what did you find? Yeah, public schools are always in there in terms of kind of an action item. They're, they're typically a, the, the people's feeling about their community's public schools. It's a little bit below the average of these 20 factors that we ask. And it, in, in, in terms of performance, but it's usually a little above those 20 factors and in terms of importance. So that's always on there. Um, when you're looking at the environment, that was a, that was a similar thing we asked about air quality and the environment together. And the reason why we do that is because we did it in 2011 and we can't change the methodology now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's also right in there. But, but, uh, it's interesting to see with water when we ask people in an open-ended question, what can we do to most improve quality of life in the area? Uh, water didn't really come up much. People weren't quite as concerned about water. You know, one-third of us, the first thing that came to our mind was affordable housing, and, and there's a lot of other factors that people are concerned about, like, you know, traffic and having roads that are good and having to be able to walk around and, and, and be able to get to park. Uh, but water was kind of surprising to me that it wasn't a bigger issue for many you mentioned you, you've, I think your first report was what, John, back in 2011. Have you things changed? Have you seen things change dramatically over the last 10 or 12 years? Yeah, so oh, the, the first four times we administered the survey, uh, we didn't see much change. In fact, you had a hard time seeing a change from, from iteration to iteration of the survey. Uh, this is the first time we saw that big change, and we actually saw there were 13 of those 20 items that decreased in quality a little bit. And as I mentioned, you know, housing affordability and other living costs, that really topped the list. But these 11 other items came down a little bit too. And I, and I can't help but think that part of that is due to inflation. But, you know, we're, we've still got this pandemic thing that we talk about all the time. And, and I, I think that probably a little bit of it, it is kind of the ripple effect from the pandemic. Yeah, you you bring that up because that was going to be my my next question was, how much do you think COVID and dealing with the pandemic 
has played into all of this because everyone really struggled with this. Matter of fact, I think some people are still struggling with it in many ways in dealing with this. Is this a bit of an after effect from the pandemic? I think it's an after effect, a bit of an after effect from the pandemic. But, you know, one of the most surprising things I saw in the survey, because you look at our past surveys and you don't see a lot of difference between women and men. Usually you see that women have a little bit better quality of life than men. This is the first time, and it, it's a kind of a big swing where men have a better quality of life than women on average in the state of Utah for their communities and, and in terms of how their communities are doing. And, and I can't help but think that, that you know, I read a lot of articles uh, during the pandemic and, and heard a lot about kind of the, the, the roles that women took, um, particularly in homes with children, uh, that were expanded larger than the expansion of the roles of maybe their uh, the, the male counterparts. And so I, I can't help but think that that, that, that uh, fact that women's quality of life has decreased even more than men's is, is more related to the pandemic uh, than just this overall decrease that we're seeing uh, in 2022 from 2018. Sean, final question for you. But in the end, I mean, do people still think this is a pretty good place to live? Do you get that sense? You know, I, yeah, I think people do. It, ultimately, uh, we have, again, open-ended comments. A lot of people said, we had quite a few people say uh, nothing. This place is awesome. <laughs> but, but a lot of people said, you know, if we could just take care of this one thing, and often it was housing, um, and often it was affordability and making sure that our kids could live here a few, uh, in, in the future and that people who are renting can maybe move into kind of this, uh, the, the, uh, the housing mm-hmm. ownership kind of uh, realm. Uh, people put up a couple things that, for the most part, there were positive responses in the open-ended comments. Uh, there were a few uh, negative nellies, but but uh, but overall, I think people really like this place, and uh, you know, for good reason because it's, it's awesome for us. On our newsmaker line, Sean Tigan. Sean is with the Utah Foundation, talking about a brand new survey on the community quality of life here in the state of Utah. More coming up on the Rod Kent Show and Utah's Talk Radio, 105.9 KNRS Listen, and you'll know. All right, um, maybe you're still working through your list of uh, spring things to do. We're now into summer, by the way, so you're a few days behind. Um, but if you do have one of those uh, electrical problems out there or electrical things that you want to do, may I suggest you let my friends at Any Hour Services help you tackle those type of projects. Now, if you're like me, electricity is something that I do not want to mess with. And that's why I leave it up to the experts at Any Hour Services. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Maybe you want to install some outdoor lighting so you can extend your living space, spend time in your yard, even when it's dark outside. Maybe you want to convert your outlets to USB charging outlets and make charging your family's devices even easier. There's no more fighting over, hey, who stole the charger cord, right? Whatever electric projects that you have around your home, inside or outside, the licensed electricians at Any Hour Services, they're there to help you out. They know what they're talking about, and they can truly care about the homeowners they serve. Read their real-life reviews online at anyhourservices.com. 
Any hour services, schedule an appointment by giving them a call at 801-443-7400, Google Any Hour Services, or schedule online at anyhourservices.com. Again, any hour. Download the free iHeartRadio app and discover music, radio, and podcasts you'll love this summer. A dirt road to any place Long as I'm long gone Chasing down some blue skies In my old truck Turn the world out Turn the radio Sing along to my freedom song The Rod Arquette Show on Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS all right, I want to get my uh, to my uh, right away to my next interview with uh, Jeffrey Lord. Jeff writes for the American Spe- uh, Spectator, one time, an aide to uh, former President uh, Ronald Reagan. He wrote an article the other day uh, where he found this essay that was written by the former president about uh, abortion. It was written about 10 years after the Roe v. Wade decision was made. And I spoke with Jeff on our newsmaker line, and I asked him, why he decided to write on this and what he found in it that he found so fascinating. Well, uh, I mean, this began to really stir when he was president. And uh, I, I think, uh, you know, when I, I have this booklet, I mean, this was in a booklet form originally. And when I began to see some of the comments being made about Roe and everything, I thought, you know, I should dig out this book in my from the Reagan section of my uh, library of presidential books and and go through it. And I went through it and I thought, wow, Mr. President. I mean, that was only ten years after Roe v. Wade, and uh, he he sort of nailed it right right then and there. And I thought, you know, he he really he he nailed it from a from a constitutional perspective from. Um, uh, a moral perspective about abortion and all of this kind of thing. And, you know, he, he, he wouldn't let go of it, uh, you know, and it was un- even then it was unpopular, not as unpopular uh, a position as, as uh, you know, all these people trashing the streets of America uh, are making it now. But still, you know, it, it was a big deal. And as a matter of fact, I remember I was at the uh, 1960s, 86, no, I'm sorry, 1976, Republican Convention. And uh, this was the Ford-Reagan showdown. And the Fords, both Gerald Ford and Betty Ford, were pro-choice. And Reagan, of course, famously was not. Mm-hmm. Well, this this became the beginning of the divide in the Republican Party, uh, which Reagan finally won. And he made it, you know, the pro-life party. And... Uh, Wow. So I just thought, you know, reading this again, uh, I thought, well, this has got to be online somewhere. So I found a site that had it and took it and put it on my own site. Because I thought, you know, one of my sort of beefs is that uh, a lot of Americans don't know our history, uh, whether it's history of the American Revolution or more mm-hmm. recent history. Amen to that. And yeah. I thought, you know, this is a good time to, uh, it's relevant, and so I had it posted. It's kind of interesting. As I was reading through it, Jeff, I love this phrase that he used. Uh, he said, Roe v. Wade has become a continuing prod to the conscience of the nation. And it is still today, isn't it? Yes. Yes, it is. I mean, and one of the things that I think has changed, and not for the better, uh, 
it, it just seems that there are people out there that really don't care that they're taking a baby's life. They just simply, you know, it's just no big deal to them. And I, I just find that appalling. And I certainly know that President Reagan would have found this uh, appalling. I mean, he, not for nothing, you know, the title of his, his piece was Abortion and the Conscience of a Nation. And uh, he, he would talk about this from time to time. And, you know, the very fact that he wrote this, and, and as I can tell you, he wrote a lot of this stuff himself. Mm-hmm. You know, he, had, he, had, he was, uh, had run around America when he was uh, working for General Electric as their TV host and giving speeches. And he would write them, uh, a lot of them himself. And so, I mean, this is so Reagan-esque when I read this. Uh, and, and it does call to mind here that, you know, we're dealing with a human life. And, you know, and I, I'll get in trouble for saying this, but I, I saw a cartoon somewhere in the last week or so since the Roe decision. And uh, whoever drew the cartoon, it says, um, not, not getting pregnant does not begin, not being pregnant does not begin here. And it shows a, an abortion chair. Mm. It begins here. And it's a drawing of a bedroom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. And I, I, I thought, yeah, yeah. I mean, every human being on Earth, literally, has the uh, ability to have sex, and they have the ability, unless they there's violence and rape and that kind of thing, um, they have the ability to make a choice and say no. You know what I loved? Just, yeah, yeah. What I loved about what what he wrote, uh, uh, Jeff, and, and it's only ten years. It had only been ten years. But I think he recognized that this was going to be a long fight to turn things over. I mean, he wrote in this in this essay, despite the formidable obstacles before us, we must not lose heart and keep up the fight. And he recognized that we aren't going to be able to turn this around very quickly. Right. That's right. I mean, because he, he knew, you know, he quotes uh, uh, Justice Byron White's uh, phrase about raw judicial power. And, you know, Justice White was an interesting guy. I never had the chance to meet him. But he was uh, a Democrat and was the uh, uh, appointed appointment of President John F. Kennedy. Wow. Democrats have come <laughs> a long way from the days of Justice Byron White. Uh, but he, he understood exactly how the judiciary fed into this kind of thing and just making up things out of whole cloth uh, because you, you wanted to. And... You know, I once had a, I once had an interesting discussion, and this was when I was in the Reagan White House. Of all people, uh, there was a funeral for Arthur Burns, Richard Nixon's chairman of yeah, the the Fed, um, economic yeah, and yeah. the Fed, exactly. So Nixon came to Washington from the uh, for the funeral, and he and he put in a request to meet with Reagan's uh, White House political office staff, of which I was a member. So. We, we hopped in a, a van and headed over to a nearby hotel, and there was the man himself. And, you know, we were supposed to talk for like 20 minutes or something. We wound up with him for like an hour and a half or more. He, and you could see he was really interesting in imparting his wisdom in life and career to younger folks that he knew would be involved in the future. And one of the things that he he talked about was uh, Harry Blackman, who was his appointment to the Supreme Court. And I got the impression he was not all that thrilled (laughs) 
with his uh, with his appointment of Judge Blackman because uh, he is was the prime one of the prime drivers behind Roe v. Wade. And uh, I thought, well, at the time, I thought, well, that's interesting, you know, coming from mm-hmm. Richard Nixon mm-hmm. himself. <laughs> On our newsmaker line, Jeffrey Lord, talking about a recent essay, or not a recent essay, an essay that he recently discovered, written by Ronald Reagan, 10 years after the Roe v. Wade decision on abortion. The Rod Arquette Show continues on Talk Radio 105.9 KNRS. Listen, and you'll know. Rachel Luzinski from the uh, Huntsman Mental Health Institute joining us on center stage today as we talk about the Live On campaign. Rachel, um... You know, the focus this year is on mental health and illness in the workplace, encouraging companies to be aware of it and employees to be aware of it. But how difficult is it for a coworker to go up to another coworker and say, yeah, you doing okay? You're having trouble? Can we talk about it? I mean, that's got to be hard for people. Absolutely. That can be such an uncomfortable conversation to have. And depending on the relationship with someone, it might even feel inappropriate to yeah, ask yeah. that question. Like you've gone too far. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, The most important thing to do, though, is look for changes in their behavior and to have the courage to ask those questions. And, Rod, you handled it beautifully um, in a really non-threatening and open-ended way. Hey, I've noticed some things maybe seem off with you. I'm here to talk if you need anything. Or you've seen down lately. Are you doing okay? Is there anything I can help with? That's a really natural way to start the conversation that might feel more tactful than, are you considering harming yourself? Um, it's it's a lot more comfortable if it opens up an actual dialogue with someone. But do you get to a point where you can ask that critical question, have you thought about harming yourself? Absolutely. That is a way to really progress the conversation. There's some key flags, uh, red flags or warning signs to look out for where maybe you know someone's gone through financial troubles or had a, a divorce or, or breakup. Um, maybe they have an ill uh, family member, or parent, or, or loved one, or some challenges at home. Um, maybe you've seen them struggling at work or or really noticeable patterns in their hygiene, their mm-hmm, appearance, mm-hmm, their sleep mm-hmm. behavior. Um, those are things that can say, hey, here's what I'm noticing and I care about you. And then see how they, they respond and handle the conversation. And if they open up some, it is okay to take it to the next question of, you know, I, I've heard that sometimes these things can lead to thoughts of harming yourself. Have you ever considered that? My hope is to let you know that I care about you and I'm here to help. When you really communicate that your intention is to support them and that you care, um, someone might really be willing to open up and then it really could save their life. All right, Rachel, I know there's a website out there. Give the address and what people can find on that website. Yes. If folks visit liveonutah.org, it's a great place where um, you can look at what some of these changes in behavior and warning signs look like. It has a random generator mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. conversation starters and ways you can approach the conversation with your colleagues. And it even has resources that exist in the community. If someone does say they're considering harming themselves of professionals that you can bring in to provide additional support. So again, that's liveonutah.org. And it's a great place to learn more and equip yourself for conversations that really need to be happening. If you need some help, go to that website, liveonutah.org. That's liveonutah.org. The effort this year, of course, being supported by Help You Get Away. at motorsportsland.com. I think uh, it is fair to say June has been quite a month <laughs> as we wrap it up. Of course, we, you know, we had these uh, Supreme Court rulings just coming down in the last week. 
And um, interesting to see what impact they're going to have on America. The fight over abortion is far from over. You and I both know that. The president even said today he attacked, you know, it is beneath the president of the United States to attack, to attack the institutions that we believe in. And yes, you may not agree with the decisions of the Supreme Court. The president had no right to attack them today. And like I said, the fight over abortion is far from over and we'll be seeing how that develops in July and in the coming months leading up to the midterms. Now, we'll be off tomorrow and again on Monday, back on Tuesday. And as we say each and every night, head up, shoulders back. May God bless you and your family and this great country of ours. Go out and celebrate. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.